Hi, it's me. Welcome to my podcast. The year 1973, or thereabouts. The place, Vancouver, Canada. 1187 Denman Street, to be exact. I had just become the proud new owner of an old, rundown health food store. I had no idea what I was doing. The first thing I did was I ran a large, under new management display ad in the local West Ender newspaper designed to come out on a Friday night at the end of the month or a Thursday to bring in the weekend shoppers at the end of the month. And it worked. The store filled up with people. But you have to appreciate the store was a small store. It, it was 15 feet by 25 feet approximately. It had shelves along the sides. The cash register was at the rear of the store. And it had about three uh, dis- small display tables up the center of the aisle. It was lit with incandescent light. It was all brown and kind of cute, but dingy and dark. So 10 or 12 people would fill up the store. The thing was, I didn't get an honest person in the store that day or that night. What I, what I got was all of the professional shoplifters in town. Was watch and learn. Stuff was going up sleeves into umbrellas, you know, under coats, uh, into pockets, and um, I could just watch and learn. It was Douglas Reeves, the manager of the Sylvie Hotel, just around the corner from where my store was, who asked the fundamental question when we first met. Leaning his elbow on the counter, he looked me straight in the eye, bent over and said, tell me, what did you, why did you get into this business? And don't tell me it's because you like people. I had to think about that one because as a matter of fact, I did and do like people. But I had a partner, and this partner I had met in university um, some, well, not that long ago. But anyway, we had both been in the workforce a while before attending university, and I I abandoned the idea of my studies ever leading to any kind of job or career. I had been in the political science um, department, well, it's actually the PSA department at Simon Fraser University, political science, sociology, and anthropology. And basically, it was, there, it was teaching you how to hate the world. It was the start of this uh, critical thinking kind of mentality in universities. And it was basically a Marxist department Uh, telling you that uh, the only solution was to change the system rather than change yourself in order to uh, be productive within the system. 
don't get me wrong, I loved university, and I learned a tremendous amount there that I still use to this day. But the reality was there was nothing there that was going to lead to any kind of job or career. So I abandoned that, and I went out and got myself a, a real job as an electrician, which, you know, was paying fairly good money. The individual that became my partner, on the other hand, stayed, uh, obtained a bachelor degree in psychology, which, you know, led to not very much, and she needed a job. I had a job. So she came up with this idea. She suggested we go into partnership and purchase this health food store. Now, this lady was a business lady in every sense of the word. Um, what comes to mind is, you know the movie Miami Vice when Sonny's heading off to Cuba with the girlfriend of this cocaine drug lord from Colombia and she's staring straight ahead and she says, I am a business lady. Scene of them booting across to Cuba in the go fast boat brings to mind exactly this lady. Chances are when a business lady offers you a business opportunity, you are going to be what is the business. But that's okay. I needed an adventure, so I dove into it head first and eyes wide open. Now, there's a dark side to the health food business. And that side can be somewhat revealed in the teachings of Ernest Becker. And although I don't agree with those teachings entirely, um, they can somewhat become a self-fulfilling prophecy in some circumstances. Anyway, um, coincidentally, Ernest Becker taught uh, and was a cultural anthropologist at Simon Fraser University at the same time that both my business partner and myself studied there. And he also had a strong influence on both the anthropology, well, the PSA department and the Department of Psychology. In 1973, Becker published a book entitled The Denial of Death, and it received a Pulitzer Prize for general nonfiction. Becker was very much the blind man stumbling into the elephant. From Becker's perspective, all of human behavior could be explained in terms of people repressing and denying their uh, own mortality. Now, it's quite possible that in the confines of communism, Becker's ideas may get some traction, 
But in a society where the individual is sovereign, they don't quite fly. There's too much information and knowledge available about dopamine, uh, the uh, role of the uh, amygdala uh, in, in relationship to the frontal cortex, um, how viruses act, uh, you know, there's just, it's just too big of a world for his uh, limited perspective to work. However, where it does impact on the health food business is when people sell pills in order to prevent death as opposed to selling pills in order to optimize health. So, according to this new business partner of mine, she had a friend who was in the real estate business and there were two health food stores for sale on Denman Street. One was $40,000 plus stock. The other, they were asking $10,000 and of course plus stock. The one with $40,000 uh, number on it had a larger um, square footage than the other one, but uh, the rent was also higher. They also had a proven sales record where the $10,000 one had no record of any sales. Of course, I chose the $10,000 one, which was more affordable. The name of the store was Key to Health Foods, which sounds like a good name, and one which I never actually changed, but it turned out to be a terrible name, especially when you were trying to answer the phone with it, because it sounded like keto and it was confusing for people. The owner of the store was a man named Henry Tong, who had no product knowledge and very little business sense. He had stock that was all dated, uh, had no sales to speak of other than every once in a while, one lady would come in, well, she actually wouldn't come in. She would stand at the doorway and order a dozen eggs and he would run and get them for her. Well, um, we never did break her of that habit. She continued to buy eggs after we'd purchased the store, but she would continually stand in the doorway, never enter, order her a dozen eggs and we would obediently take them to her. It turned out that Henry Tong owed more money on the store to who he bought it from who was a gentleman named Samson Tan, than the store was worth. So he had to go into private debt to Samson, and we actually bought the store from Samson. And to do the deal, I met this gentleman in a vacant house in East Vancouver, and he was dressed in, well, he must have had a kung fu studio or something, because he was dressed in one of these kung fu outfits, you know, shoes, and all, and it was a vacant house in the east end of Vancouver. He had a couple of guys with him. They were dressed in casually in blue jeans, and Henry Tong was there too. And he explained to me that he had bought the store for his sister who didn't want it, and he just wanted out. And instead of three years, he wanted his money out in two years. We shook hands on it, and the deal was done. Thank you.
I was now the new proud owner of an old rundown health food store and didn't know a vitamin from a rock. I had no idea what I was doing, but the adventure was on. My diet in those days consisted primarily of hamburgers, 25 cups of black coffee, each fortified with three heaping teaspoons of sugar, and three packages of non-filtered cigarettes per day. To learn. And then there was the colorful cast of characters that would come into the store. The first was a guy that came in literally wearing a tinfoil cover under his hat. And his basis for that was that the uh, window next to where he slept had a roof beside it or extending down from it, near it, anyway, that had pitch blend on it, and pitch blend was somehow radioactive, and the pitch was in the shingles. He had some story like that anyway. And in order to, you know, you had to deal with a guy. And so you had to sort of, you know, throw your own biases out the window and just be patient and listen. There was the little frail-looking lady that came in with a homemade nurse's outfit that looked like it had been hand-stitched from some old bed sheets. But she had a little cap and the little white gloves and everything. And she, was, uh, she had an invisible friend. But that was okay because she was invisible too. And you couldn't talk to her or ask her anything. She would shy away from you. But she would pick out her stuff from the shelves, walk up to the counter, and then pay for it very carefully by taking the money out of her little purse and sliding it over, making sure that she didn't touch anything. Uh, or, ex you know, if you gave her change, she would let you put it on the counter and then very carefully pick up each piece, put them in her purse, and then leave without a word. Well, the fun is just about to begin, as you will see in future episodes. Thank you for listening in. Until then... <laughs>